Good morning. It's a privilege to be here today. My name is Ted Knapp. I'm the Director of Missions for the uh, LAX Urban Center. Uh, some of you don't know what a Director of Missions is. Um, some years ago, I, was, uh, down in, uh, I flew down to Bolivia to um, preach down there in a crusade. I preached in a, um, in a football stadium or a, a soccer stadium and uh, had about uh, 60,000 people there. Did it for three weeks. Uh, down there, so it was a great trip. But as I was flying down into Bolivia, uh, as I uh, as I got there, and we landed in the on the uh, on the uh, the runway, there was about 3,000 people lined up along the runway. And um, uh, as I looked out the window, I could see all these people with signs, and they were waving them. They were all in Spanish, and I didn't know Spanish at that time. And so. Um, I asked the gentleman next to me who was from Bolivia, I said, what do those signs say? He said, they say, we love you, welcome, we love you, we love you. And so I was overwhelmed by their love for me that I'm here coming from the United States down there to, uh, to bring God's word for uh, three weeks. And uh, uh, so the plane landed and stopped and, and the tarmac, and we were about 200 yards from the, from the actual uh, uh, terminal, which was no terminal, it was just a shack. And, um, and as, uh, as I started down, the, pl- down the, the steps of the plane and got to the tarmac and started walking toward the, uh, the terminal, all of a sudden these 3,000 people started running toward me, and I was just overwhelmed by their love for me that I had come all the way from the United States. And uh, as they got to me, they, um, they went on by me and went to the plane, and Miss Bolivia was on the airplane <laughs> and had won... She had won the international beauty pageant and was there for her. I had, I had two people to welcome me to, uh, to Bolivia. So basically, uh, Director of Missions is a humble man of God that uh, is here to serve, serve the Lord. Um, I'm an area missionary. I guess that's probably one way to explain it. Um, I work and serve this area all the way from Malibu uh, to Beverly Hills and South Central East L.A. Uh, and down here in the South Bay area. And so I cover these areas. I have about 131 churches right now that I'm serving and resourcing and helping and church planters, about another 60 church planters as well. And so we're, um, we're busy doing that. Um, but your church is one of those churches. And I want to thank you for, uh, for being one of those churches that supports us and helps us do the work that we do. We average about 6,000 salvations a year that we help churches to reach. And uh, we're helping them in training. Uh, the title of my message today is called, uh, It's Not About You. It's not about you. Um, where I got this idea from is um, I was at a conference. I wasn't speaking at this conference. I just attended this conference. And the speaker, he said, are you aware that when you, when you come to a worship service, it's not about you? And he said those words, but he didn't really elaborate on it. He just said, that's what he said. He, he went on to his sermon and uh, his, his, his message he was speaking on and, and went on to that. Uh, but that got me thinking about that. And, and I remember Rick Warren had written in his, uh, in his Purpose Driven Life book, he, read these wor- he wrote these words. He said, uh, in life, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment or your own peace of mind. Uh, or your own personal happiness. You see, that was, that was, that was uh, Rick Warren's premise of life, is that he lived life believing that his life was not about him. And I like that. The problem is, is that our whole society is, uh, is let me use the word, screwed up. Is that a good word for it? Um, 
uh, our whole society is built on this idea that uh, it's about me. We live in this me society today that is so built on, on what I think is best, what I want to do, what I need, and my wants. Uh, it's funny how we think that even we were born and bred with this idea that, uh, that we have an inerrant right to be about me, about what I think is best. Uh, I think it's even per- permeated our churches today. Uh, a lot of our churches out there are, are set up for, uh, for this uh, consumer, consumer type mentality uh, type churches. And uh, it's amazing how that is true. Um, I think also people today are, are even looking for churches the same way they look for buying a brand new car or buy, buy some new pair of shoes. They, they, t- they, they come and they check it out and they, uh, they, they, they see how it fits and how, 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 it, how, it, how it looks and, and how does it feel and uh, how does it smell and, and what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost me? I think they look at that as well uh, for that. My wife and I, we're five months away from retiring. Uh, 148 days, is that exactly it? My wife has got it down to the day uh, as we retire. And um, my wife and I right now, we're we're flying out. Uh, I preach at a church over in, uh, in uh, Pasadena next Sunday. Uh, it's, a, it's one of our larger churches over there. And uh, I'll be preaching over there. Then after I get done that evening, we're flying out. We're going to fly to Texas. And we're looking for a place to live. The reason why we're picking Texas is because it's cheaper out there. Uh, homes are a lot cheaper. Uh, we just sold our house. We used to live over in the, I don't know if you know, 360 South Bay area. Uh, we used to live in that complex in there. And we just sold it. And uh, now we're going to see if we can buy a house uh, that we can actually pay cash for uh, with no, uh, have no, uh, uh, no mortgage. And so we're, we're flying out to Texas to see if we can find a place to live. And, uh, and then in the end of December, I'll be retiring. Well, we're going to be looking for a new church. And uh, that'll be something we'll have to be doing. Uh, and what's interesting is, is, that, uh, is that we're not going to be looking for a church that I like. We're not going to be looking for a church that my wife Carrie likes. We're going to be looking for a church that God wants us to be at. That's the only thing that we care about is what God wants us to do. And where does God want us to serve? Where does God want us to be about uh, being a part, in, investing our life into? So that's really what we're looking to do. But today we have people out there that they're looking for churches and they're, they're trying to settle into churches that fit, fit their needs, their wants, and their, their, uh, their issues of life that will make them happy. But I think that today that's our... our our whole idea of, of, uh, of, of faith, that seems up to, upside down to me, is that we should be about God and not about what we want. Well, today, what I want to do is I want to talk about something that I think can, can truly transform your life if you will, uh, if you will just uh, take time to think about it. Think about uh, how important it is to, to be about God and not to be about yourself and not to put yourself first. I think it can truly change your life in a dramatic way. So if you will, open your Bibles with me as my voice keeps, uh, can hold up through here today. Uh, for, is Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. 
The book of Colossians is an interesting book. It was written by Paul. But what's interesting about Colossians is that Paul never visited the city of Colossae. He never visited this city. And yet they think the way that a church was founded in that particular city was that somebody uh, was, was visiting maybe Ephesus, which is about 100 miles away, and that, and that Paul had witnessed to him and led him to the Lord, and then he went back and started a church in his hometown of Colossae. And so that's really how they think it got started. But what also, what about this, this particular book is that Paul is writing to the church because they're, they're, um, they're having problems with, uh, with uh, the influencing of the worldly beliefs. The world is influencing the church. And the world is beginning to shape, reshape its the way of, of faith and the way it handles life and the way it looks at life. And so it's, 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 it's a book where Paul is, is writing, some, writing to uh, the church of Colossians, and he's writing because he wants to present an argument that Jesus is the Lord of the universe and that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior for all of those who believe in him. So follow along with me as I read with Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, uh, beginning with verse 16 all the way through 18. And the word of God tells us this, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to praise you and thank you, Lord, so much for being a a God that loves us so much that you want to, right now, speak to each one here in this auditorium. Lord, I know that's a miracle that one message could be uh, transformed into each one's needs and each one's desires and each one's uh, message to them. But Lord, I just pray that will happen right here today. I pray, Lord, you'll take this message and bring it alive to each one according to where they are in their life. I pray, Father, that you would just speak through me, keep my voice strong right now. And, and Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would just be honored and, and blessed by this time. And Father, we just turn this time over to you. I pray I will not get in your way. And that, Lord, you'll truly speak uh, as you will uh, have an opportunity here to truly say what you want to say to each one of us, myself included. Lord, I just give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it says here, first off, creation, is, is, uh, creation tells us that it's not about you and me. It's not about you and me. Paul says in, in uh, verse 16 of Colossians 1, he says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Think for a minute about our universe and how amazing our universe is. Are you aware, I didn't know this until I was looking for this, preparing for this message, that our earth 
is 25,000 miles around. It takes 25,000 miles to go around this earth. 25,000 miles. Also, there is 1.6 million species of plants and animals on the face of this earth. And what's interesting about this planet is that it is a, it is, it, it's, it's held up by a finely tuned, fine-tuned balance of factors. That if any of these factors was to change just a minute amount, we no longer would exist on this face of this earth. That's how, how fragile we really are. And the only thing that sustains us is God. And these 1.6 million species of, of plants and animals, they have such a simplicity about them that is astonishing. For example, did you know that the caterpillar has 228 distinct and very separate uh, muscles in its head? That's a lot of bug. Did you know that the elm tree, during the lifetime of an elm tree, will actually have six million leaves. Did you know that your heart, that your heart, if unrestricted, your heart can pump blood 30 feet up into the air? Wouldn't advise it, but it can do that. It's amazing what that heart can do. Did you know that that there are over 3,000 species of trees in one mile in, in, the, uh, in the, uh, the jungles of Amazon, the Amazon jungle? Did you know that, that, uh, that a spider, that a spider can create 60 feet of web in one hour? But at the same time he makes these 60 feet of web, he also secretes this fluid on the bottom of his, I guess you call them feet, I don't know what they are called, but on the bottom of his feet that keeps him getting stuck on his own web. It's amazing what God has created. When you start looking at the intricacies of it and the the details of it, it's amazing what God has created on this earth. It really, really is. Also, our solar system, our solar system is, uh, is, uh, is amazing as well. We're the third planet uh, from the sun. However, uh, the sun is 93 million miles away from the earth, or one astronomical unit. Now, Neptune, on the other hand, is the furthest planet from the sun in its solar system. It's the eighth one, and it is 30 astronomical units away, or it is, it is 2 billion 790 million miles away. away. Now what's interesting is, is, that, uh, is that our airplanes fly, uh, our commercial airplanes fly about 575 uh, miles an hour. And it would take you 16, excuse me, 18.5 years to fly to the, to the sun. Or it would take you uh, 536 years to fly to Neptune. So the next time it takes you more than 30 minutes to drive in Los Angeles anywhere, just remember how long it would take to get to Neptune. So therefore, don't be such a hurry and appreciate only 30 minutes. The sun is only one of, of two to 400 
a billion stars that are in the planet. Now that I've, I've shared all this with you, listen one more time to what Paul says in Colossians 1.16. He says, For in God all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through God and for God. This universe is huge. But God is huger. Is that a word? Those of you who are English majors, is there such a word as huger? You see, the problem we've got is, is trying to define how big God is. We can't do it from our languages that we have here on this earth. We can't put him in a box. We can't begin to fathom how awesome and the size of of the grandeur of God. We can't do it. So all I can say, he's huger than even the universe that we have. But the question is, why did God create all of this? Why did he create all of this? Well, in Genesis, we hear, we see him, we see it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And then God said, let there be, and let there be, and there was. So we see in Genesis what he did, but we see in Colossians 1.16 why he did it. It says in the last two words in verse 16, it says, they were created for God, for him. They were created for him. Everything was created for him. Everything was created for him. That includes you and me. We were created for him. In Revelation 4.11, it says, it says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. But if you go to the King James Version, you see it a little bit differently. And it says these words in the King James Version of Revelation 4.11. It says, God, it is for your pleasure that we were created. Are you aware that you were created for God's pleasure? You and I were created for God's pleasure. Not our own pleasure, but for God's pleasure. I mean, everything exists for God's pleasure. Even the, the, the plants that we have and the mountains we have and so on and so forth. In fact, we should be shouting for joy, for, for praise of God in our lives. In fact, listen to uh, Psalms 148, verses 1 through 7. Now, as I read it, I'd like you to count to yourself how many times it says in just the first seven verses, praise the Lord or praise him, or, or praise the name of the Lord. How many times does it say that in just the first seven verses of Psalm 148? It says this, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all the shining stars. Praise him, 
you highest heavens and your waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. How many times did you count praising the Lord? You know? Did you hear it? How many? Ten? Ten times. Ten times in just seven verses, it tells us to praise the Lord. And if you were to go on to verse 14, you'll even read, read more of them. It's amazing how this particular passage of Scripture is saying that everything, everything is to praise the Lord. That's why we're here. We're here to praise the Lord. We're to bring praise and honor to God. That's what we're about. We're not about ourselves. We're about praising God. Well, also, also, you see, in your life in Christ is his story and not your story. It's his story. It's not your story. I th- we think so often that, that life is about us. But it's not. It's his story. This whole world is his story. This whole existence of time is his time. In fact, I love how it says in the Bible, it says that our lives are like vapors escaping a tea kettle. Our lives are what? Just a short period of time. We're here one day and we're gone the next. I think about my, my grandparents or my great-grandparents, my great-great-grandparents. I have no idea who my great-great-great-grandparents were. I have no idea who they really were. And it's amazing how we, we can go back in our lineage and, and learn something about them. But the truth of the matter is, they lived their lives and they're here no longer. And then I think about my own life. You know, I'm, I'm now getting ready to retire in, 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 in 148 days, according to my wife. And... I'm not going to be around much longer. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I'm, when I finished college, I, I had a chemical engineering degree, and I worked for a company that sent me back to Connecticut and, uh, out, of, out of college. And I lived here. In, I lived here. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. And, um, and so I went back to Connecticut, and, um, and I worked there for uh, almost five years uh, for that company out there, then got transferred back out here. But while I was back there, when I went back there, um, I had to go to a doctor to get uh, a physical so that I could get hired into that company. And um, what's interesting was is that while I was with that doctor, it was an old, crusty doctor. This guy was probably at least 120 years old. At least he f- I felt like it. And I was a young kid back then. Uh, and um, he said, he's, and, he, and he says, are you aware that you're a diabetic? He found out I was diabetic. And I said, no, I didn't know I was diabetic. I said, what pill do I take to get rid of it? He says, oh, you don't. He says, what do you mean? I mean, what do you mean you don't? He says, you have that for life. He says, in fact, he says, you're not going to see retirement. He says, you're going to die a young man. He said, you've got a very short time to live. And back in those days, we had no insulin at that time. There was no way to 
I've got a Dexcom on me right now that monitors my, my diabetes. But back in those days, we didn't have any of that. And he said, he says, you're going to have a heart attack, a stroke, you're going to go blind, amputations. And that's if you're lucky. He said, if you're really lucky, you just die quickly and, and don't have any of those things. And so that's what he told me. And I was a young kid. I was, I was 20, 23, 22 years old. And, uh, and so I, I walked out of that office. I'm just depressed. I'm going, man, here I am, a young guy, and I don't have long to live. And so I got in my car, and I was driving back to the, uh, to the, to the, to the company that I worked for. And as I was driving back, I came up to a stoplight, and I'm sitting there while it's red, and these two husband and wife, I guess they're husband and wife, they were walking across, on the, on the, across the crosswalk in front of me. And they had a little kid, and both of them were blind. Both of the husband and wife were blind. They were walking with canes, and, uh, and they, were, they, they were walking across the boulevard. And then the kid was with a tethered. He was tethered, and he was, he was squirreling all over the place. In fact, in the middle of the street, they had to turn around because he got tangled up on them and got across the street with him. And I stood there watching them, and I thought, man, I think I've got problems. And then it just kind of came out of it and said, okay, I don't have, I'm not going to live long. I'm not going not to see retirement, so therefore live my life the best I can. Well, that's been almost 50 years ago. And guess what? I'm still here. And guess what? I'm only five, I'm only five months from retiring right now. Now, I've got to tell you, I got five months. If God calls me home before five months, I got to tell you the truth. The first couple of days in heaven, he's not going to have a happy camper. I'm not going to be a happy person up in heaven the first couple days because I did not make retirement. However, I will settle in just fine up there. But I will, I'm hoping to make retirement. And uh, I really look at that as a, as a blessing. But the thing is, is that the truth of the matter is, we're only here a short time. We really are. In the scheme of history, we're only here for just a moment. We really are. So therefore, what are we here for? Well, I believe we're here because this is God's story that we are living. We are part, we are bit players in God's history drama. We're in, we're in his drama that we're living. We're in his story that we're living. And his life goes something like this. God's life goes something like this, or his story goes something like this. God created us human beings, and he intended us to live with him forever and ever in love, peace, and happiness. And then all of a sudden we screwed it up with sin. And then sin came along. And then God told, I would say, David, King David. And he said that out of your lineage, I will send a savior to save mankind. And then sure enough, God sent his son on this earth to die for us. And God sent his son who lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross for our sins. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And now he offers us eternal life in heaven. We have a way now back 
to that eternal life that God offers us. So the question is, where is God in that story? Well, the answer is God is everywhere in that story. And even today, God is in this story today. I know we got a screwed up world. I know we got a lot of mess out there going on. But the truth of the matter is, God is still in control. And he still knows what he's doing. And it's not by accident that we are where we are right now in history because he's preparing things for the future. But the question is, is that how are we going to live our lives? Are we going to live our lives for ourselves or are we going to live our lives for God? You see, it's not about you. It's about God. Everything's about God. In 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 19, and 20, it says this, Do you not know that your body is a living temple of the Holy Spirit, whom is in you, whom you have, have received from God? And then it says, You are not your own, it says. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. What Paul is saying is that your whole body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. In fact, everything belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. My wife and I, when we got married, we had a Honda Civic, little tiny little car. That was our car when we first got married. And her brother was just out of high school, and he got a job. And he needed a car to get back and forth because his car had broken down. And so we gave him our car to use. I don't even remember how we got around because we gave him our car. But we gave him our car. And then all of a sudden, after several days, he called up and he says, "Um, I want you to know I just got in a car accident. And I said, are you okay? He says, yeah. He says, I'm okay. He says, it's a, he says, the car's pretty well banged up, but he says, I'm all right. I said, okay. I said, well, don't worry about it. I said, we can get it repaired. I said, it's God's car. I said, you didn't mess up my car. You messed up God's car. He'll get it. He'll fix it. And he goes, you're not upset? I go, no, I'm not upset. I'm just glad you're okay. I think life is so much easier when you just look at the idea that everything you have isn't yours, it's God's. And I believe that that is the way we need to live our lives that will free you up to do so. In fact, I think that we live in a big lie that, thinks, that says that, uh, that we are to think and say that this is our life, this is our body, we can do what we want, this is our time, this is our money, this is our choices to make. But Jesus challenges this In this scripture I read earlier, it says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And what is the price? The price, the blood of Jesus Christ, the life of God's Son. I read a story of a little boy that lived out in a country town, a small town. And he he built a little red boat, a little small little red boat. And he painted it red. And he used to go down to a little, um, little uh, stream behind his house. And he would he'd put a string on it, and he'd play with it on that little stream. 
And he did that all for days after days and weeks later. He loved playing with that little boat and make up stories about it. Well, one day there was a storm that came up miles up the road, and that little stream became a roaring river. And he went down to that stream that now had became a river, and he put his boat out there on that water, and sure enough, what happened? The boat got swept away because the string broke, and the boat went down the river, and he lost his boat. He went home crying to his dad. and was just saddened by that he lost his boat. About a week later, he was walking in this little town, and he looks in the window of a store, and what does he see? He sees his little bread boat for sale. He runs into that store and he says, that red boat that's out there uh, on the window, at the window, I built that boat. It's my boat. I want my boat. And the owner of the store says, I'm sorry, son. He says, that's my red boat. And he says, I'll cost you $2. Well, that little boy didn't have $2. So he went home and he told his dad, and his dad said, I'll tell you what, son, I'll give you 50 cents a week for extra chores that you can buy back that boat. And sure enough, he worked for a month raising his $2. And finally, when he had these quarters of dollars, of $2, he went back down to that store, he marched into that store, and he slapped that money down on the counter and said, I want to buy my boat back. And sure enough, he buys that boat back for $2. And as he's walking out of the store, all of a sudden, you could hear him murmuring under his breath. He said these words. He says, Red boat, you are twice mine, once because I made you and twice because I bought you. I want you to think of God and you. God has done the same thing for you and me. Once because he made you, and twice because he bought you back. That's what's happened. We are not here for ourselves. We are here because of God. We are here because of God. I want to close with just this particular point. How well do you know these names and these organizations? Jack Tinker and Partners, Doyle Dane Birnbeck, BBDO, Footy Connie and Belding, J. Walter Thompson. How well do you know those names? How well do you know them? If you don't know them, they're happy. Because you see, these are all advertising agencies. And their job is not to get people to know them, but to get to know someone else or something else. I think that's exactly the way we are to be. We are to live our lives not for ourselves. We are to live our lives so that people can get to know about Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's what our our lives are about. Whether you're at work or whether you're at school or whether you're at home, or your neighbors, you are to let people know about Jesus Christ. You're like an advertising agency for God. 
And we are to let people know about God, about Jesus Christ. And I believe this, that if we will live our lives this way, life will be much easier. It's a whole lot less stress on you when you know your life is not about you. It's about God and that you're living for God. And whatever happens in your life, you can trust that God is going to use it for his purpose and his plan. You can really just relax and stop trying to fight life and trying to to have life thinking it's beating you down when the truth of the matter is God is in control of your life and my life. And if God says you're going to live to retirement, you're going to make retirement, even if a doctor tells you that you're not going to make retirement. And I believe that. I believe that. And I believe that, that our job in life is not about ourselves. As Rick Warren said, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about, it's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about what he's done for us. It's about everything about God. In fact, all your belongings are about God. All your possessions, God has given to you. And if we could just live that way, it'll make a tremendous impact in our lives in a major way. It really will. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to praise you and thank you, Lord, so much for just blessing us with this time. I I thank you, Lord, for all the things you mean to us. I thank you, Lord, for how you you sent your Son to come into this world and to um, bring about the opportunity of salvation through him. I just thank you, Lord, for just being a God that is, is so great and awesome. I pray, Lord, that we will live our lives knowing that this is your story that we're living. This is not our story. I just pray, Father, that right now you would just touch each one here according to their needs. There's people that are here. There's ones that are here today that, that have problems in life and issues in life. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen them and help them to overcome them. And, and Father, I pray that you would just give them a sense of your presence and your love for them and, and that your caring spirit is upon them right now. Lord, Father, I just pray that if there's someone here that does not know you as their, their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray, Father, they will, they will just get right with you and, and invite you into their life. And I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified and honored in everything that we do, everything that we say, even everything that we think, that it will be about you. I just pray, Father, we'll leave here just looking for those opportunities just to be about your kingdom work, about being a testimony of who you are and what you are. I pray, Father, that you would just um, truly just take charge right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all.